0: Madamite presents... Three Prom Night Horror Stories Story number one, The Girl at Prom Written by Blair Daniels My parents forced me to go to prom Henry, you're the only new kid at the school Dad said As mom nodded eagerly behind him it's important to show up and make friends so i dressed up in an ill-fitting tux pinned a ratty looking flower to it and headed to prom alone the bass dropped painfully in my ears tacky streamers were hung from the ceiling and the dance floor was scattered with a few whispering couples I pushed past all of them, and sat down at one of the tables alone. But it wasn't long before I heard a small voice. Excuse me? I looked up. It was a pretty girl, but I had never seen her before. Deep brown eyes, long black hair, and a purple gown that touched the floor. Must be somebody's date from a different school or something i thought but then she asked do you want to dance really it flew out of my mouth before i could stop myself she giggled yes really we made our way to the middle of the dance floor next to cheerleader molly and jock casey she wrapped her arms around my neck and i just stood there stunned You're supposed to put your arms around my waist. (sighs) I know that. Then do it, silly. I laughed nervously and obliged. I'm Mary, by the way. Mary Keller. Henry. Motion caught my eye, and I looked up. The mirror on the wall glinted brightly, reflecting the flashing lights of the dance floor. Below... The couples twirled and whispered and laughed. I saw myself in the center, but my arms were wrapped around thin air. Henry? I looked back at her. Uh, sorry, I, I just... I glanced back at the mirror, and there we were, arms wrapped around each other, swaying to the beat. Never mind, I muttered, looking away. I was asking you if you like the music I laughed (laughs) oh no not at all me neither (laughs) it's awful we continued dancing to three more songs even though they were terrible finally we took a break for drinks and sat together at a table overlooking the dance floor I'm so happy to be here she said squeezing my hand I didn't get to go last year why not but she just shook her head and didn't reply so i let her be and looked out at the dance floor molly and casey were making out as were many of the other couples throngs of girls whispered and giggled to each other but no one was paying attention to the fact that me henry slater Resident Wallflower was with the most beautiful girl at prom. I don't get it. What? You're the prettiest girl here and no one is even looking at us. She laughed, her curls bouncing around her face. (laughs) I'm not exactly popular. After drinks, we made it back out on the dance floor, and we talked and laughed and twirled until the lights faded and the crowd thinned want to get out of here i asked she nodded she followed me outside thin sheets of rain drizzled down turning the spring grass into a mess of mud cars unlocked i shouted as we ran towards it we dove inside beads of water trickled down from my hair into my eyes and into the upholstery I didn't think it was supposed to rain I'm sorry I, I would have bought an umbrella I turned to her she was completely dry no water running through her hair no wet sheen on her shoulders no mud on her high heels how'd you do that I'm sitting here sopping wet looking like an idiot and somehow she's perfect Mary smiled. I just got lucky, I guess. (laughs) And then she linked in. We kissed, and time seemed to stop. It was probably a few minutes, but it felt like forever. Finally, she pulled away and whispered, Thank you. I started the car, and we swerved into the road back from the school. She didn't say much in the car, and the longer we drove, the less she smiled. Everything okay? I asked a few times, but she just nodded her head and forced a smile. Whoa, what's that up ahead? Red and blue lights flashed through the trees. We swerved around the bend, and I gasped. A sedan run right off the road into a tree coming from the other direction. The hood was crumpled against the bark, and police officers swarmed to the driver's side. Shards of glass glittered in the flashing lights. Oh my god. Mary, do you, do you see the... I turned to face her, but the seat was empty. Mary! Mary! I hit the brakes, pulled to the curb, and searched everywhere i checked the back seat the space underneath the seats even the trunk but she was nowhere to be found maybe she somehow fell out or but then i looked up i was standing on a dark empty road no flashing lights no mangled car no accident at all just a small sign stuck in front of the tree drive safely in memory of mary keller (laughs) story number two i lost my best friend on prom night written by professional succubus
1: my name is tamara and my prom night did not go the way i wanted it It all started a week before the dance, when my friend Maddie suggested we have a sleepover, sneak whiskey, and watch scary movies. This was an annual tradition for us, to celebrate our liberation from the bondage of school. Senior year, our last one was extra special. Naturally, I said yes. Maddie and I had met freshman year, and bonded immediately over our mutual love of scary things and being the only goth kids in town. We were both fascinated by monsters, the occult, anything dark and creepy. So, I wasn't surprised when I showed up and saw that Maddie had filled her room with candles and set up a Ouija board. I was so stupid. So fucking stupid. Poor Maddie. I miss you. The worst part is I don't even remember exactly what happened that night. We drank, laughed discussed what we were going to wear and do on prom night, shouted at the ghouls on TV, shouted at any ghouls that we thought were in the room with us. I remember us both cackling at one point, because we'd started using the Ouija board to convene with the ghosts over what horror villain was hottest. Pinhead was a fine chunk of man meat, right, O oh Heavenly Spirits? I proclaimed, pushing the planchette towards, yes, Maddie giggled and took the planchette from me. Hotter than Vincent Price from House of Wax? Way hotter, I insisted. <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree, she slurred, grinning. I can't get enough of Vincent's goatee, pointy mustache combo thing. It's very Spanish explorer. Now, if I could just land a guy like that as a prom date... She paused and studied herself then promptly fell backwards with a thud. The forgotten planchette went flying. Conquer me, Conquistador. I'm yours. Things went hazy near the end of the night. I remember feeling a chilly breeze and thinking it was strange since it had been oppressively muggy all week. I remember the chill was followed by a sharp burst of nausea punching its way out of my midsection followed by the disjointed thought, oops, sick, drank too much, followed by a long and blissful sleep. The next morning I woke up, puking. That part wasn't a huge shocker, but I did get scared when I opened my eyes and saw wings. Insect wings. Small maybe an inch long, and translucent. They floated in the brownish-yellow sludge of my vomit, defiantly geometric. It was early enough, and I felt shitty enough, that I decided to ignore it. The nausea faded, but I still felt achy all day, and I threw up a couple more times that evening. No wings this time. I chalked it up to drinking too much on an empty stomach. I must have been so dehydrated I imagined it. Sunday morning, I was puking again, and this time, what came up terrified me. It wasn't just wings. There were small chunks of some dark-colored material. I remember how they scratched my throat raw coming up. When I realized what they were, I dry heaved. I recognized them immediately. They'd been all over the previous summer with their rainbow-translucent wings and stocky little bodies. Their spawning season that always garnered fascination from entomologists and local news stations because it only happened every 13 to 14 years. They were Cicada. Before you even ask, no, I did not tell anyone I was throwing up bugs. I was terrified I was going to die or get in trouble. And I kept telling myself that it would soon stop, I had barely cleaned myself up when mom yelled it was time for church. I sat through the entire service with a dull, throbbing headache. The headache seemed to dissipate once I stepped out into the fresh air, but the all-over body aches and pains continued into the week. I stopped throwing up bits of bugs, but I did start to worry that I'd be sick for prom. I couldn't miss it. It was the only one I'd ever have. By Thursday afternoon, Maddie had cornered me to ask what was wrong. Shaken, I explained, but made it sound as though I believed I had just gotten too drunk and then gotten a stomach bug. Disappointment shrouded her face, and she asked if I thought I'd miss prom. Feigning confidence, I assured it I wouldn't. We talked as we walked home from school, and by the time we got to my house, I was almost feeling normal again. That feeling... Vanished as I passed our neighbor's cat, Squeaks, on the sidewalk. Normally friendly and outgoing, she recoiled and hissed when I tried to pet her. I'm sorry for what I did to her. Unnerved by Squeaks' reaction, I told Maddie that I was going to lie down and went inside. I ended up sleeping through to the morning. I woke up with the cool early morning air on my skin, feeling better although there was a coppery taste in my mouth and nausea still hung in my gut like an unwanted pregnancy. Contentment soon gave way to confusion as I realized my t-shirt, clean when I had gone to bed, was crusty, as if something sticky had dried on it. Confusion transformed into horror when I got up and felt something small and wet fall out of my lap. Squinting, I knelt to see what it was. Once I was able to shake my sleepy haze and realize what I was looking at, recognition bloomed like a horrific flower in my mind. Soft and furry, but with one end glistening in telling red, the cat's calico paw sat motionless on the carpet. Its presence clanged through my room like a chorus of locusts. I told my mother I wasn't feeling well and had to stay home for school. As soon as I heard her car cruise down the block, I got to work. The previous year, my mom had gotten it into her head that we needed a home security system, which I think came from the tech nerd she was dating at the time. She and Bryce had set up some motion sensor cameras, and like a true millennial, I helped her set up the online account. Spoiler, the security system lasted longer than Bryce. As I logged in, a disquieted eddy gently churned in the pit of my stomach. I hadn't checked the account in a while, so there were a lot of new clips of raccoons and stray cats wandering around. I skipped forward until I got to the only one dated 5th of the 7th, 2017. At first, all the video contained were some swooping bats and the occasional possum, but it wasn't long before I saw a cat pass by on the sidewalk. From the left of the frame, a figure, human-shaped, streaked over and seized it. I was glad there was no audio, because I'm sure I would have puked again. The person clamped the cat tightly in their arms. You could see the cat squirming frantically in the unwelcome grasp. The person fell to their knees and buried their face into the cat's back. Through the grainy image, I could see dark liquid showering onto the grass. The cat's squirming became more forceful, more frantic, until it stopped. The figure lifted the limp little body like it was an ear of corn and continued to ravage it. A few seconds later, the lights of a car glowed from the other end of the street and the person skittered away on all fours to a darker corner of our yard. I sat there open-mouthed and wordless. There was one detail in that video that filled me with an icy, detached terror, yet I wasn't surprised to see it. At one point, the shadowy cat killer had wandered close enough to the porch light that their t-shirt was visible. It was an old 9-inch nails shirt. It was my shirt. Shell-shocked, I couldn't bring myself to do anything other than sit at home immobilized and watch daytime TV. What do you do in that situation? Despite all the evidence, I still couldn't wrap my head around what was happening. I couldn't tell my mom I ate the neighbor's cat. She'd have me committed to a mental institution. I thought about calling Maddie, but I was afraid she'd think I was crazy. Denial seemed like the best option. Prom was the following day. I wanted to dance with my friends, dress up, and wear weird makeup. I didn't want to be sick or throwing up or involuntarily devouring other people's pets. Maybe that's why I deserved what happened. Prom night came, but I felt like I was forcing a happy face while dying internally. Maddie came over and we blasted the Halloween Metal Pandora Station while we got ready. My mom ordered pizza, but both her and Maddie gave me strange looks when I insisted that I wasn't hungry. Somehow, I felt bloated, even though I'd barely eaten anything that week. My stomach was alive with prickly pain all day. Like all the other weird shit, I ignored it. It was prom night. I was so close, I just had to put it aside long enough to enjoy myself. I should have known it wouldn't work. Maddie drove us to school, and we'd barely gotten through two songs before a cramp shot through my midsection like a lightning bolt. I remember feeling reassured that the dark gym and strobe lights would hide any strange movements I made. I straightened up and waved off Maddie's concerned expression, until a few seconds later when the cramp returned, this time retaining its vice-like grip for a few seconds before dissipating. Heart pounding, I felt sweat rise on my brow. I gave Maddie an apologetic look and mouthed the word bathroom to her over the noise of the DJ. Clutching my abdomen, I staggered out of the gym and into the blissful quiet of the girls' room. Fortunately, it was empty. I was hoping I wouldn't throw up. I had gone all day without doing it, but as soon as I closed the bathroom stall, I felt my gorge rise. Trying to breathe calmly, I fell onto the toilet seat. It felt like there was broken glass churning in my stomach. I slumped forward, suddenly burning with heat. Droplets of perspiration fell into the bowl and made small plinks into the water. I tried to wipe away the sweat with some toilet paper, but dropped the damp wad when another cramp came, this one so strong I let out a cry. I pushed both hands against my stomach, willing it to calm down. It didn't. Another cramp seared through me like a welding torch. I started to knead at the cold, clammy flesh, half out of nerves and half out of the vague idea that it would calm my misbehaving belly. The next few moments, I have played back in my head more than a thousand times. I was hunched over the toilet, clutching at my midsection and panting in pain. Three things happened next. Something inside me pushed back. I screamed. I barely had time to register the thought, What the fuck? When the bathroom door swung open, I clapped one hand over my mouth, not wanting anyone else to ask what was happening. It was too late anyway. It was Maddie. Tamara, will you please fucking tell me what's going on? I didn't know whether to be relieved or scared. I blurted out, It's fine, Mads. I'll be out in a minute. The low, Thudding bass of the music from outside seemed to expose the fear in my voice rather than concealing it. She wasn't buying it. I'd been acting weird all week after all. Bullshit. Look, if you're sick, it's not a big deal, okay? It doesn't matter if we miss prom. Fuck it. If you're this sick, you need a doctor. Her words hung in the air. And above all the fear and anxiety and pain, I felt only gratitude. I never got to thank her for it. Another cramp hit me, and this one felt like the final boss of cramps. I'd never felt anything like it. A huge, solid mass slowly descending through my body, stretching everything until it couldn't stretch anymore, ripping me in two. I screamed again and maintained the sound until it became a wail. Wetness started to spread beneath me. In horror, I lifted myself and saw blood soaking my dress and trickling down my thighs. Maddie must have seen the blood, too, because she started pounding on the stall door. Jesus, Tamara, you need a fucking ambulance. She never got a chance to make the call, because at that moment something fell out of me into the toilet. It milled. The pain started to subside, and I took my chance to get away from whatever the thing was. Falling to all fours, I pushed open the door and crawled away gasping for air. Maddie's face was a mask of concern underneath all the makeup. She took me in her arms for a moment while I sobbed and heaved. There was a trail of scarlet leading from the stall to me. I could still feel the blood, slower now, but still flowing, pooling underneath me as I lay. After a moment, Maddie got up and went over to the stall. I didn't have much time to cry out or warn her, I'm sure she thought I was just another scared pregnant teenager. She didn't know about the cicada, or squeaks, or the pains I'd been having. She thought she was going over there to check on a normal human baby. Terrified, exhausted, and dazed from the blood loss, I lay weakly against the opposite wall. Maddie peered into the toilet. She managed to scream for half a second before tentacles, three or four of them, shot out of the bowl and wrapped themselves around her face. They pulled Maddie, arms flailing, into the bowl. I'll never forget how she writhed and fought. Oh, Maddie. This is the part where things start to get fuzzy for me. The doctors and my court-appointed psychiatrist later said it was from the blood loss. The tentacles squeezed, impervious to any of Maddie's kicking and punching. It simply waited until she went limp, collapsed against the porcelain, her knuckles dragging against the sea foam tile. Then it raised her high above the toilet, by her ankles, like a cow for slaughter. I moaned and reached out, trying to stand up, but I was too weak. Like a fish, my mouth gaped, but no sound came out. Maddie, still inverted, started to spin. A thick gurgling emitted from the bathroom stall as she was pulled towards the beast in the toilet. Her hands and arms disappeared first, the red spray coating the cheap metal walls. There was a crunching and her body jerked downwards, one shoulder first, then the other. The crunching intensified as her ribcage was crushed. The thing let out what I can only describe as a belch, sending a geyser of water, blood, and pureed tissue into the air, soaking me in my best friend's remains. For a moment, the thing lifted Maddie's corpse up in the air and I could see meat and entrails hanging like ribbons from her shredded waist. Tears streaming down my face, I covered up my eyes and took solace in the only mantra that would comfort me. This can't be happening can't be happening. It can't. 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 Silence overtook the room. I started to fade in and out. Shades of gauzy gray encroached on my vision's periphery. I vaguely remember hearing the soft sound of something rubbery hitting tile and feeling the slight wind from the bathroom door opening and closing. In delirium, I thought, Oh good. Maddie must have gone to get help. I lay there for who knows how long, until someone from my grade came in and found me. After that, it was a blur of IVs, emergency lights, and scrubs. So, that's the story of how I got here, to my little padded cell I've called home since that day. I woke up in the hospital, handcuffed to my bed. A stone-faced local deputy explained to me that While I wasn't under arrest yet, I was under suspicion of murdering my newborn son. My shock was apparent because he raised his eyebrow and explained what they discovered on prom night. I'd been found covered in blood and semi-conscious. Maddie was missing. In the toilet bowl was a baby boy, small and dead and blue-faced. The coroner had determined that baby was born alive and then choked to death. But since they couldn't get a definitive print off the body and with Maddie's whereabouts unknown, they couldn't charge me for his death. They had found some of Maddie's blood at the scene, but not enough to imply she had died. They suspected she had wandered out, injured, and would turn up eventually. I knew Maddie wasn't going to turn up, but I still asked why he thought that. He responded... There was a pretty obvious blood trail, leading from the bathroom to one of the gymnasium exits, but we lost it once we got
0: outside. Story number three. I thought it was a prom. Written by G.R. Wilson and Mad Mike.
2: Where are we going? The car took another turn in that smooth, relaxed way Ethan drove. The surroundings turned even more decrepit as the industrial part of town turned into the abandoned industrial part of town. Little hobo fires blinked like sad candles in the dark, illuminating scenes of human squalor, as well as broken windows, graffiti thick as riverstone moss, buckling roofs, and chipped up sidewalks. The old BMW brushed harshly over one pothole after another. "'Chill, babe,' said Ethan, without taking his eyes from the road. "'We're not going to prom in the fucking hood or anything. This is just a shortcut.' Summer didn't feel any more chill from that. She rubbed her hands together anxiously and flicked the tips of her recently manicured fingernails. They were ruby red, like the corsage pinned to her beautiful white dress. Ethan had matching color coordination in his tux and tie. The white, which she'd started to like after actually seeing her and her date together, felt increasingly weird and over-formal in its connotations. She didn't know what to say, so she stayed quiet and made sure her door was locked. Outside the passenger side window, it was shockingly dark in this part of town. They'd left the last working streetlight behind five minutes ago, Some music blasted obnoxiously from the upstairs window of a tiny house, tucked in between a vacant shop and a deserted gas station. The music sounded exotic and foreign, full of wailing woodwinds, drums, and chanting in a language that didn't sound like Spanish. Arabic, maybe. Either way, it added to the creepiness of the drive, even as the foreign sounds faded into the darkness behind. Ethan! She said, trying to make contact with those cool green eyes of his. This place seems really rough. I thought you went to one of the nicer charter schools. He smirked in that cocky, sexy way she loved to hate, and flicked his eyes at her a moment. (laughs) Yeah, but guess what's the first thing on the budget to get cut when things are tight? Our principal's a big stickler on funds going to explicitly educational priorities. He said the last few words in a mockingly formal and nerdy character. It's gonna be kick-ass anyway. The place is just. He took the car around another turn, missing an unexpected broken-down truck by a thin margin. Up here. The sight of illumination other than the car's headlights granted Summer one last flicker of comfort. Ethan pulled the car into the lot in front of the warehouse that, while missing its better days with several cuts above the neighborhoods they'd just ventured through. Buzzy and moth-badgered bulbs on tall posts through illumination and twisting shadows across the asphalt lot. A plethora of other vehicles rested there already. No limos. A small crowd of young couples looked expectantly at Ethan's car while chit-chatting with each other. All these other kids were dressed in white dresses and tuxes as well, the latter with a few variants in tie and vest colors. Summer noticed a strange shortage of women among the other prom-goers, there being only about a third as many girls as guys. It made her uneasy in a way she couldn't quite explain, and she felt the too familiar tingling on her neck and pit in her stomach. The building's front entrance, not more than 20 yards away, opened when another couple exited and joined the waiting crowd. No music, not even a pounding bass, emanated from the open doors as summer anticipated. The pit grew deeper. Let's go, said Ethan, who had parked and turned off the car. He gave her a playful little punch to the shoulder. You ready? He smiled at her with a confidence that quickly turned to confusion and then disappointment as he saw her worried body language. What? he asked comfortly. You feel all right? At least it was an attempt at consolation. She struggled to come up with the words, and avoided eye contact with the other kids. who had stopped talking and were just standing there smiling at Ethan's car. Before she could open her mouth, Ethan's eyes narrowed and his nostrils flared. What? He demanded. The fuck is it? You were all excited yesterday and now suddenly you gotta go all weird on me? What's your problem? He balled one hand into a fist and ground it against his seat. For the first time, Summer felt genuine fear of Ethan. For the past month, she'd been attracted from the first meeting to his devil-may-care attitude and bad-boy character. He was skinny but strong, and had the scars from many fights. She'd seen that fierceness in him when he told her stories and when he dealt with a couple of guys who'd made the mistake of trying to steal his bike. The unabashed toughness was a big turn-on. It was another story, though, having that dangerous side directed at her. She stammered, uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just... just... She felt teardrops forming in her eyes, despite her best attempts to blink them at bay. You're just what? He demanded. I knew I should have taken someone else. I fucking knew you'd do some crybaby crap like this. Thanks, Summer. Thanks for wasting my 80 frickin' bucks. I'm sorry. She squeaked, then cleared her throat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Really, babe, it's fine. I'm just... I'm excited. I get nervous sometimes for events like this. I had the same thing at my sister's wedding. I just need to get into it, get comfortable, you know?" She saw the anger fade from his face, and then she reached out a hand to touch his arm. I'm really happy you brought me. We're gonna have fun. She smiled at him, and that, along with the words, were an attempt to convince herself just as much as him. She had already begun to regret going to another school's prom especially a school on the other side of town where she didn't know a single person other than her possibly psychotic date. Said date held back his anger, but still eyed her, head to toe, with a certain suspicion. He grabbed her hand and interlocked their fingers. "'All right,' he said, looking straight into her eyes with the intensity of a jungle cat. "'Let's just have fun,' he squeezed her hand, just barely hard enough to hurt a bit. "'Relax.' He brought back that characteristic smirk. Summer took a deep breath and nodded. She still wanted to get to a bathroom to text her parents and sister and friends in private, and she'd have to seriously rethink things with Ethan. But for tonight, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. She almost believed that. The two high schoolers exited the car, Ethan opening his date's door and offering her an arm. The other attendees, who began to follow the couple across the lot, continuously grinned and stared, barely blinking. Summer thought she could discern hissing whispers among the little crowd, but wasn't sure if it was just her imagination. Anyway, she couldn't make out them saying any words. The whole odd scene made her skin tingle with goosebumps. She herself whispered to Ethan, So you're pretty popular at your school. (laughs) She added a nervous chuckle. He nodded and pulled open the warehouse door. You could say that. Not much to brag about when we're such a small school, but yeah, I pretty much know everyone. The group of about nine guys and three girls filed past and into the dimly lit entranceway. As they passed, Ethan murmured a greeting to each one, in an extremely low voice that Summer had never heard before. He was hard to understand, and apart from the names she made out from his speech, Isabella, Thomas, Gabrielle, Haley, Charles... She could only vaguely guess at what was being said. She wasn't sure if the murmurs were even in English. Ethan gave her a kiss, then led her inside. The door shut, blocking out even the meager light of the parking lot. Inside, the only light came from the tiny blue lights that appeared rarely along the wall near the floor. They cast an eerie luminescence that throbbed slightly as if in time to an unseen heartbeat. The experience of walking around a brief labyrinth of an entry hallway and into the main floor reminded one of traveling through a cave or the deep sea, with bioluminescent creatures granting the alien environment its only light. Ethan, however, showed no sign of discomfort or navigational handicap, and such cocksure, I-own-this-place stride. Summer reached out an arm in front of her, trying to will her eyes to adjust faster to the cave-like interior of the warehouse. It sunk in how limited her options were. No way was she going to risk using her phone to call or text for help while Ethan was right there, and she sure as hell wasn't going to walk home from here. She realized she didn't even know where here was, which kicked taxi cabs out of the already emaciated options column. Jeez, could they not afford lighting either? She murmured. Ethan ignored it, and led her into the main area, from speakers on the ceiling and hidden elsewhere in the suffocating darkness, played classical music. Summer didn't know much about classical, but this was definitely old, even if she couldn't name the composer. The music was cheery, upbeat, in that proper country club party sort of way. Along the left wall lay a table in a white tablecloth, with a couple of punch bowls and various cups on it. Further down were some sort of snacks on little gray plates. Couples, groups, and individuals milled about standing or sitting and stopped their whispered conversations to smile and stare once they noticed Ethan and Summer. As outside, there were far more guys than girls. A noxious smell floated over the big, dark room. The odor had a sweet floral component, overlaying something sharper and more bitter reminding Summer of cleaning chemicals. Come on, let's get a drink, said Ethan, and began to steer her to the relevant table. Summer became conscious of her heart pounding louder and faster in her chest. She hated this place, and was hating every second she spent there. These people were weird. Ethan was crazy. It was dark, and the music was weird, and no one even cared. Down from the refreshments table near one of the pale blue light sources, she could barely make out the sign for the women's restroom. Screw this. Actually, I really, really, really have to pee right now, she said with a nervous smile, and then pulled away and hustled to the bathroom. The bathroom was lit with a single flickering fluorescent light tube on the ceiling. The place was a mess of caked and dirty tile, protruding pipes, wet and sunken floor sections and the repetitive and echoing drip of what Summer hoped was water. That noxious, chemically smell was stronger in here, though the layered-on flower odor was apparently attempting to hide it. Instead, it just made it worse. Summer realized she actually did have to pee, and besides, wanted the privacy of a stall for a couple of minutes. She knocked on the closest of the three stalls. No response. She used her elbow to push open the door and locked it behind her. To her shock, the toilet was actually clean, or at least the seat was. Rust and nastiness were splotched all over the base in the pipes. The toilet was one of those chain-pull-handle ones, something Summer had only ever seen in movies. She found it a pain to get into the proper position while wearing a prom dress, but managed to sit down and relieve herself without getting the expensive fabric too dirty. Not like that really mattered now, anyway. Nervously, keeping an eye on the bathroom door through the stall crack, she reached into her small purse for her phone. It wasn't there. She checked the purse's other pocket. Money, lipstick, tampon. But, nope. The phone was nowhere to be found. Ethan must have taken it, she thought. Shit. Adding to the strange situation, the toilet didn't flush, either. Summer's goal at this point was to get home safe, away from Ethan, away from these weirdos and away from their creepy prom, she stood up and fixed her underwear and dress. As she was standing, she heard two heeled shoes click on the floor in quick succession. They weren't her own. She looked and saw white high heels in the next stall. This is a lame place for a prom, isn't it? I don't even think the water works, Summer said. No response. The other girl was apparently just standing there facing the stall door. Summer's concern for someone else apparently hiding in the bathroom overtook her fear of talking to any of the strangers here. "'You alright?' she asked. "'No response.' The other girl's hand tapped slightly against the wall. The water kept dripping from that leaky pipe somewhere else in the room. The classical music kept floating in audibly through the bathroom door. Summer felt uncomfortable, at least even more than she did before. She coughed in an awkward attempt to break the tension, then opened the stall door and stepped out. The lock on the neighboring stall turned and opened as well, and someone walked out after Summer. Summer whirled around, keeping herself between this other girl and the door. The other girl, almost to Summer's surprise, didn't look like some horrible, monstrous mass of tentacles and slime. She wasn't floating above the floor. She was just another girl at the prom, of course, dressed in white, and with shoulder-length blonde hair. In the details, though, one soon saw the oddities. The girl's eyes were red in iris and pupil, the color of blood. A splash of actual blood marked her chest, stomach, and neck. Her hair had a big patch shaved off to the skin on the left side of her head, which looked to have been done recently and forcefully. She took a slow step towards Summer, like her feet or legs were injured. Her eyes flashed in the dim, flickery light. Summer took a step back. What the hell happened to you? Her own voice startled her with its loudness, so she lowered it, nearly whispering. Are you you all right? Do you need help? She felt foolish asking that when she didn't even have a way or plan to help herself, and she tried to make some connection with the girl, but those transfixed red eyes offered no human response. With growing horror... Summer noticed a couple of other critical details. For one, the blonde girl's mouth was sewn shut with expert care, little black stitches crisscrossing her lips like railroad tracks. The lips twitched upward and the girl flinched in pain as if trying to smile but being unable. A low gurgle escaped from her throat, wet with mucus and who knew what else? She kept looking Summer in the eyes with each robotic step, like a machine sensing another object, rather than one human finding any connection with another's face. Revulsion welled up over Summer's body, and she felt like she might vomit. She had pity mixed in there, and she felt a pang of guilt for being so scared of the girl, who looked to be a victim herself. Summer quickly weighed her options. There was a window near the ceiling on the wall behind the girl, and it was big enough to crawl through, but dashing to her would almost certainly imply that girl catching up with her and doing who knew what, if anything hostile was her intention. Dashing back into the bathroom stall left her where she was before. That left running out the door back into the prom and out from there. Get somewhere well-lit, find someone helpful, borrow a phone, and call mom and dad. sown mouth girl extended a hand, with arms shaking and made another strange gurgle. There was no pleading, no sorrow in her eyes, just a little twitch of pain every time she tried to smile through her fresh wounds. Summer backed away to the door. "Uh, I'm sorry, she whispered and re-entered the main area. She kept her head down as much as possible, both to avoid Ethan recognizing her face and to take better advantage of the scant lighting provided by the little blue glows. In seconds, she saw him again, the crowd had grown with more white-clothed young people, keeping their ratio of men to women. But there was Ethan, holding a cup of something pink and scanning around the room constantly. He said something indistinct to a couple of his admiring cohorts, who murmured back something equally hard to hear, and then wandered off, scanning the crowd themselves. Ethan looked pissed. Summer felt her heart pound. Whatever this gathering was, it wasn't a high school prompt she kept her head down and tried to match the soft floating sort of way most of the people walked she saw the little entrance hallway across the room and began to make her way there on a roundabout route away from the refreshment table to avoid ethan another mouth sewn up girl then another filed past her each escorted by their respective male dates like the other girl their eyes were red they carried a lighter version of the chlorine-like odor and walked as if in an entranced state. They and their guys paid summer no notice. She kept a big smile at them as she passed to avoid suspicion. Then she risked a look behind herself. The crowd was beginning to file towards the emergency exit in the back of the room. The black metal doors were opened as couples and individuals, many of them girls with sewn-up mouths, exited into the relative brightness of the moonlit asphalt. No one was going the same direction as summer. Her fear grew by the second. They'd find her any second. They'd find her faster if she kept going the same way and standing out from the crowd. The emergency exit door was staying open as people trickled out that way. Ethan was still snooping around near the bathroom for her. The tempo of the classical music picked up and flared with intensity. She saw her chance and took it. Escaping Ethan's notice, she walked step by anxious step to the emergency exit trying to look relaxed, trying to keep that same weird grin everyone had. Please don't see me. Please don't look at me. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Now white-clothed teens were on all sides of her, the crowd rushing her along. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Ethan move, start coming over to join them, to look for her. He'd see her any moment. Summer screamed and ran, unable to hold back her terror any longer. She didn't know if they were chasing her, if they were too surprised to react. If they simply didn't care, she just ran, out the door and felt a glorious rush of cool night air against her skin, heard the now-blaring classical music fade with each step towards freedom. She flew off her heels and kept going. Summer, what the fuck? Ethan was yelling after her. There was a mass of freaks already gathered outside, and their expressions went from smiles to scowls. They pressed in around her, blocking her escape and murmuring a chant in a strange language, the Summer wouldn't have figured pronounceable by human tongues. Outside this circle, another girl was being dragged away by her hair and arms, by a couple of guys and another girl. The girl looked, drugged, with red cheeks and eyelids fluttering. Her captors hauled her towards a gate, on the edge of a tall iron fence which surrounded the building's back lot. Summer screamed again, What the hell is this? What is wrong with you people? and moved for the last small opening in the crowd, Ethan's hand clamped on her shoulder and spun her around. He was angry, stern. His fellow weirdos moved in close around summer. Are you trying to leave, babe? Don't call me that, she shrieked. Fuck you. I want to go home. He slapped her, hard enough to knock her face aside. That's not happening. At least, not home as you understand it right now. He touched a hand to softly touch the place where he'd slapped her. I thought you were having a good time. I know it's not like what you are expecting of a modern, typical prom, but we like to keep it festive. She recoiled in rage and horror and kicked Ethan hard in the shin before he could finish. You call this shit festive? She screamed, gesturing at yet another girl being dragged off. She kicked him in the balls and didn't wait to run past him. Luckily, she was able to snag his car keys before she ran too far. Get her! Ethan grunted, clearly in immense pain. Make her suffer! The other cultists leaped into movement, running after her, shoes and bare feet pounding and slapping on the pavement. She felt tears in her eyes and adrenaline in her veins, and ran with all her might faster than she had ever thought she could. They were catching up. The guys were bigger and faster than her. Their feet were falling inches behind hers. Ethan was urging them on. The lot was now bright with that odd, deep sea-blue light. She jammed the keys nervously, into the car door key slot, missing every attempt as her hands were shaking uncontrollably. Right before they grabbed her, she successfully opened the door and jumped into the car. She immediately locked all the doors as the cultists began to surround the car. They began placing their faces on every window of the car and staring right at her. She turned the key in the ignition and the car wouldn't start. Ethan was still a couple of steps away from the car as he screamed,
1: "'Fucking bitch,
2: you think you can just take my car and get away with it?' He walked behind the car. "'Good luck trying to start it, fucking whore!' Summer turned the key as she began to cry, and the car miraculously started. She placed the car in reverse and immediately hit Ethan while the car was backing up. "'Stop the car! What the fuck, Summer? Stop the car!' Summer pressed on the gas to thrust her car back even more as Ethan jumped on top of the vehicle. She began to drive away as Ethan began pounding the roof of the car and holding on. Other cars began to follow Summer as she drove out of the parking lot. Oh my god, oh my god, I'm gonna die! Summer said to herself as she began driving down the road. She would swerve, but Ethan would successfully hold on, as she still heard his presence on the roof. Summer kept driving and swerving until she no longer heard the bumpy sound on top of the roof. She also started noticing all the cars that followed her out of the parking lot begin to disappear. Constantly looking at the rearview mirror, Summer kept driving faster and faster in the dead of night. Even driving ten miles on this highway, there was still no gas station in sight. Out of nowhere, Summer sees something strange in the rearview mirror as she sees a car's headlights getting closer and closer in just a few seconds. She feels a forceful bump from the car forcing her off the road. Summer hits her head on the steering wheel and blacks out after her car runs off the road and into a fence. Summer woke up in a hospital and felt incredible pain throughout her entire body. She could barely remember anything about the night before besides her awkward arrival at the prom. Getting out of the bed, Summer sees something in the mirror that reminds her about it all. Her eyes are bloodshot red, and her lips have strange holes as she begins to look closer and closer. Backing up away from the mirror, she sees Ethan right behind her with a dozen roses in his hand. Ethan says, You look so beautiful in your prom dress. And she starts screaming loudly, while her jaw aches horribly and passes out again.